0: This out.
1: Good evening, Foothill Family Church. We are glad that you could join us live tonight on Facebook or on YouTube, whatever venue you're watching. If you're on Facebook, make sure you hit the share button below. Invite your friends to, to church tonight where they can worship with us, and they can feed on the word of God. Amen. At your name, the mountains shake and crumble. At your name, the oceans roar and tumble. At your name, angels will bow will rejoice your people cry out lord of all the earth we shout your name shout your name Your name, the morning breaks in glory. At your name, creation sings your story. At your name will bow, the earth will rejoice, your people cry out. Shout your name Filling up the skies with Endless praise Endless praise Yahweh, Yahweh We love to shout your name Oh Lord There is no one like our God We will praise you Praise you There's no one like our God we will sing we will sing there is no one like our god we will praise you praise you there's no one like our god we will sing we will sing there is no one like our god we will praise you praise you jesus you are god we will sing shout your name, shout your name, filling up the skies with endless praise, endless praise. Yahweh, Yahweh, we love to shout your name, oh Lord. Sing Lord of all, Lord of all the earth, we shout your name, shout your name. were the word at the beginning the one with god the lord most high your hidden glory in creation now reveal didn't want heaven without us. So, Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, but your love was greater. What could say? to this What a wonderful name it is The name of Jesus What a wonderful name it is The name of Jesus Death could not hold you The veil tore silence the boast of sin and grave the heavens are roaring the praise of your is the kingdom yours is the glory
2: Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the wonderful things that you've done for us. We thank you for the truth of your word and the privilege that we have to build our lives on that foundation, that sure foundation, that eternal and unchanging word. Father, we thank you that your word holds us up. It strengthens us. It helps us so that no matter what storms of life come against us, we can stand strong with our confidence resting in you. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. Well, good evening, everybody. Glad to have you with us for Healing School. I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. It says, when the evening was come, they brought unto him, speaking of Jesus, many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. This being healing school, we always teach or minister along the lines of faith and or healing in some way or another, but I was impressed to talk about healing in a little bit more general or big picture terms, there are in the body of Christ three major views of healing. The first view is that healing has been done away with. God doesn't heal now like he did in the book of Acts or in Jesus' ministry. And when the last apostle died, all that uh, healing, the will of God concerning healing passed away and so forth. The second view of healing is that God does sometimes heal, but only in response to a special act of faith or a working of miracles in some way or another. And then the third view of healing is that healing is a part of the the atoning work or the redemptive work of Jesus, that it was purchased for us in the same manner that redemption from sin was. Now let's take the first view, which again was that healing has been done away with, that God doesn't heal today like he did then. And for, uh, concerning this view, I'm going to turn to Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It said, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple." Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple?' asked an alms. "'And Peter, fastening his eyes on him with John, said, "'Look on us.' "'And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. "'Then Peter said, "'Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. "'In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk.' "'And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, "'and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength.' And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. Now people that believe that healing has been done away with don't have a problem with this story of healing because it was in the apostolic age. And like I said before, That school of thought is of the opinion that when the last apostle died, all that healing power of God died with them. Well, that would imply, therefore, that the apostles had some special place of relationship with Jesus that the rest of us don't or can't have. And it also implies that they had some special power that the rest of us cannot have, doesn't have, and cannot have in this present day. So let's examine this by continuing to read in Acts chapter 3, we'll pick up with the story in verse 11. It says, And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel you at this? Or why look you so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? Now folks, if the apostles had special power delegated to them by Jesus himself that the rest of us don't have. Or if the apostles had a special place, a special relationship with God that the rest of us don't have, who would know better than them? If Peter and John have a special place with the Father or a special place of holiness, if they had some special healing power, wouldn't they be the ones to tell us about it? Wouldn't they be the ones to know and be able to understand and identify by the Holy Ghost what that was? Yet Peter, speaking for both and John, Peter said, Why look you so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? So it wasn't their holiness that made the man to be healed. It wasn't their power that made this man, this lame man lame from birth, to be healed. Well, if it wasn't them, what was it? Verse 13, The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the prince of life whom God has raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name through faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Now notice what Peter says did the job. It wasn't their special power. It wasn't some special holiness on their part. So what was it? It was the work of God, specifically the name of Jesus. Thank God there's power in the name of Jesus to heal the sick. He said it was the name of Jesus through faith in his name that made this man strong, that healed this lame man, healed this crippled man. Now, if, if we accept the idea that, that when the last apostle died, that all that was done away with, we have to consider that Hebrews chapter 3 tells us that Jesus is our, the apostle of our profession. The Bible says, consider him who is the apostle of our profession. Well, Jesus is identified in the Bible as an apostle. Well, he's not dead is he so if it's dependent on the last apostle being alive jesus is still alive and seated at the right hand of god the father no the fact is it doesn't take some special power or some special place of holiness through the apostles for the healing power of god to work the healing power of god works the same today as it did in his ministry jesus ministry and it works the same as it did in the book of acts in the early days of the church because jesus is alive forever Now, the second and the third points of view, we can deal with those together. Turn with me first of all over to Acts chapter 14. The second view of healing, I'll remind you, is that God does sometimes heal, but only in response to some special act of faith or some working of miracles that he initiates on his own. Verse 1, and it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogues of the Jews. This is Paul and Barnabas. They went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Long time, therefore, abode they, speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them, they were aware of it and fled into Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia and under the region that lies round about. And there they preached the gospel. Verse 8, And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. Notice it's the same condition As the man at the beautiful gate of the temple. He was lame from his mother's womb. This guy was lame from birth. He had never walked. Verse 9 The same heard Paul speak, who, steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lyconia, The gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter. And Paul, Mercurius, because he was the chief speaker, then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands under the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people, which when the apostles Barnabas and Saul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among them, among the people crying out, and saying, Sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God which has made heaven and earth and the sea And all the things that are therein. So he's saying. Paul and Barnabas are identifying. It's not some special power on our part that did the job. Well what did the job? Let's back up a little bit. To verse. um, Well let's pick it up in verse 9 again. It said the same heard Paul speak. The crippled man heard Paul speak. who Who steadfastly beholding him. And perceiving that he had faith to be healed. Notice that faith. That phrase. They perceived that he had faith to be healed. Now, the Bible says in Romans 10, 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. Folks, whatever we hear about the word or hear from the word preached or taught to us, that's what builds faith. For example, he wouldn't have had faith to be healed if Paul was preaching on water baptism. He wouldn't have faith to be healed if Paul was just preaching that Jesus died for our sins. That would give him faith to be saved, to become a new creature in Christ Jesus. But it wouldn't give him faith to be healed. Since faith produces according to the seed that is sown, notice that the fact that he had faith to be healed meant that Paul had to be preaching or teaching about healing. may not have been the only thing that he was preaching or teaching about. He was probably talking about Jesus having died for our sins and also paid the price for our sickness and disease. But whatever it was, This man had faith to be healed because of what he heard Paul preach. I like the fact that verse 7 says, There they preached the gospel. So according to the Holy Ghost, who inspired these things to be written and saved for us, so that we'd have a record of these things, according to the Holy Ghost, the gospel includes teaching about healing in the name of Jesus. He couldn't have received faith otherwise to be healed. There's no way he could have had faith to be healed except that the apostles, Paul and Barnabas, uh, again, it says that Paul was the main speaker. So when he heard Paul preach, he had to be hearing Paul preach, not only did Jesus die for our sins, but that he died to pay the price for sickness and disease. And because he had faith to be healed, because that word entered into his heart, took root in his heart, Paul simply had to do one thing, and that was to get the man to act on what he now believed. He didn't come to the to the meeting that Paul was preaching with faith to be healed before, it indicates that this is the first time that Paul is preaching in this area, certainly the first time this man hears him. So the faith to be healed comes from what he heard Paul speak or heard Paul preach at that particular time. So Paul just simply had to get him acting on it, It had to get him moving in line with what he now believes. So he told him, stand upright on on thy feet. And he leaped and walked, just like the guy in Acts chapter 3. And then Paul identifies It's not us. We don't have some special power. We're men just like you are. Well, if they were men just like the rest of the people there were, then that would have to mean that the same faith that has made this man strong in the presence of all of the group is available through the teaching of God's word for anybody and everybody to receive. I want you to look with me to another story. Look with me over to Luke chapter 13. Here's Jesus. Showing us God's attitude toward the sickness and healing, the healing thereof. Verse 10, it says, And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years, and was bound together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Here's a great healing miracle that takes place. Jesus lays hands on her. She's made straight. Apparently, she was in a condition where she couldn't stand upright. But Jesus ministers to her, lays hands on her, and the power of God restores her to divine health. And now she can stand upright and walk just as normally as any of us. He laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day... And said unto the people, there are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered them and said, thou hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? Here's God's attitude now. Jesus said he didn't come to do his own will but do the will of the Father. So what Jesus reveals to us is the character and the nature of God in everything that he did. So here's God's attitude toward those that are sick. He said, And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, lo these 18 years be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day? He gives two reasons why she ought to be free, set free. One is she's a daughter of Abraham. She's literally a a literal seed of Abraham. And as a result of God's covenant promise with Abraham, Healing belongs to her, so she ought to take advantage of it. And then the second thing he says, second reason he gives, not only ought she not to be healed on the Sabbath day, he says Satan has bound her for 18 years. Satan is the one that's bound her for 18 years. The Bible says Jesus was manifest for this purpose, and that is to undo the works of the devil, to destroy the works of the devil. Now this is good news for us because it tells us in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Now here's the reason why he did that in Galatians three fourteen, That or so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. In other words, because we are now children of, of God, a part of the new covenant, we are heirs Of Abraham we are heirs of the covenant blessings of Abraham Galatians 3 29 says and if you be Christ then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise you have as much right to be healed and as far as God is concerned you ought to be healed just as much as this woman on the Sabbath day you may not have been bound for 18 years but whatever is holding you back whatever sickness or disease comes against us is from the devil always from the devil And so if for no other reason than Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, sickness should be a thing of the past for each and every one of us. I'll remind you of Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. He went about doing good. Thank God healing is good. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now I want you to look with me to another event, healing event, that took place in John's gospel chapter 9 and verse 1. It says and as Jesus passed by he saw a man which was blind from his birth and his disciples asked him saying master who did sin this man or his parents that he was born blind. Now stop right there for a minute and realize recognize what the uh, what the apostles knew the disciples knew. They knew that sin was the root cause of sickness. They didn't know whose sin was the root cause of this sickness. But they knew that sin was the root cause of sickness. Now compare that to the modern day church that blames God for sickness and disease. Compare that to the modern day church who looks at these plagues, this coronavirus thing, and thinking, some preaching, that this is God's work. Folks, sickness is never God's work. Sickness and disease is never God's work, and I'll prove it to you. So we see the disciples ask the question, Who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither is this man sin nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Now, I grew up in Sunday school and and was taught this uh, every year. They had the quarterly lesson books. And every year in that uh, Sunday school class, they would teach us that this man was born blind so that Jesus would have somebody to heal when he came by on that day. So this man... Who's already a full-grown man, which means he's around 30 years of age or more. This man had to deal with being blind for 30 years or 30 plus years, so that Jesus would have somebody to perform a miracle on. Folks, that's just stupid. That's just so stupid. It's not even hard. It's it's hardly worth even mentioning. But let me point something out to you, so that we can see the import of what's being done here. The translators didn't have punctuation. They didn't have chapters and verses. They had this one long text that was the equivalent of all uppercase letters in our um, understanding. No divisions, no punctuation. And so they made the the chapter and verse divisions where they thought that, that they would work best or make the most sense. And they're the ones that added the punctuation. Now, a translation, no matter when it was done or how, who it was done by, a translation is always going to be dependent on two things. One is the translator's knowledge of the language. Well, that you could understand that. Do you want to have a translation from somebody that didn't know the language, in this case, the Greek language that it was written in? But then the second thing is the translator's understanding of the character and the nature of God. If they've got a wrong idea or a wrong opinion about God, or if they're in the dark about what God will do or can do, then there are going to be times in their translation that is going to reflect their lack of understanding. This is one of those cases. If they put the punctuation in, I'm going to suggest that the punctuation goes in a different place. So follow along with me. Again, in verse 3, Neither has this man sinned nor his parents. Period. That's the question they asked: Who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus says neither one. Well, if sin is the cause of sickness and disease, and if it wasn't, Jesus would have corrected them when they said what they did in verse 2. If sin uh, sin is the cause of sickness and disease, then whose sin was it? It wasn't the man's sin. It wasn't his parents' sin. Whose sin was it? It was Adam's sin. Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden opened the door to sickness and disease because it opened the door to spiritual death. And so this is not a situation where it's personal or individual punishment in any way whatsoever. This is just the result of the fallen world because of Adam's transgression in the Garden of Eden. So Jesus answers to their question. He said, neither has this man sinned nor his parents, period. Now here's a new thought. But that the works of God should be made manifest in him, I must work the works of him that sent me while it's day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now notice what he's saying back in verse 3. Notice he says, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me. Again, Jesus said in John chapter 5 verse 26, he said, I came not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. That means everything Jesus did was not because he wanted to do it or he didn't want to do something. It's because it's what God directed him to do. He was here to reveal the will of the Father to us in everything including the operation of sickness and disease against his children so up until the point where jesus does something the works of god have not yet been made manifest in him that necessitates therefore that this blindness is not and could not be the work of god if it was the work of god to make this man blind then jesus worked contrary to the will of god when he brought healing to him Now, you may say, well, maybe God changed his mind or had something planned for Jesus for when he came by, like we were taught in the Sunday school in the church I grew up in. Well, that can't be right because God never changes. God's will never changes, therefore. So if God ever wanted this man to be blind, God always wants this man to be blind. But instead, the Bible is telling us, Jesus is telling us very clearly that his blindness is not the work of God in his flesh. Well, if it's not the work of God in his flesh, whose work is it? I'll remind you again, Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost in power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Healing is good, and people that are sick are being oppressed of the devil. And he was able to do that because God was with him. Now, let's keep reading here. Jesus answered, Neither is this man sin nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me. So whatever Jesus is going to do is going to be a manifestation of the work of God. When he had thus spoken, verse 6, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. And he went his way therefore and washed and came again seeing. Jesus gave him something to do just like Paul gave the man in Acts chapter 14 something to do. Jesus made clay of the spittle. After spitting on the ground, he made this little mud pack put it on his eyes, told him to go wash off in the pool of Solomon. Obviously, somebody had to help him get there because he's still blind. But when he acts in faith on what Jesus said, when he acts in obedience to what Jesus told him to do, his eyesight was restored completely and Totally. I want you to turn back with me now to Matthew chapter 8. The question is, between the last two views of healing, is healing just available to somebody through some special act of faith, some special miracle working act of God, or is healing in the atonement? If healing is in the atonement, meaning if Jesus paid the price for sickness and disease, just like he did for sin, then that means healing belongs to everybody, just like forgiveness of sins belongs to everybody. Well, Matthew chapter 8 and verses 16 and 17 tell us definitively that it's a part of the redemptive work of Christ. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. This is a direct quotation from Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our pains. Those words, griefs and pains, or sorrows. I'm sorry. Uh, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Those words, griefs and sorrows, are translated in other places in the Old Testament as pains and sicknesses. And here the Holy Ghost is telling us that the great redemptive chapter, Isaiah chapter 53, that great redemptive chapter Is the guideline for the work that Jesus did here on the earth to show us, to reveal to us the will of the Father. He healed all that were sick. Well, it must be God's will for all that are uh, sick to be healed because Jesus didn't do this of Himself. He did this at the will of His Father, the will of Him that sent Him. So if Jesus healed all that were sick, it has to be a reflection or a revelation that God wants all that are sick to be healed and he did so to fulfill that which the bible says jesus would pay the price for by shedding his blood and going to the cross folks healing has not been done away with the last apostle is not dead jesus is the high priest and the apostle of our profession healing is not some as a result of some special act of faith or some miracle that god initiates But healing is a part of the redemptive work of Christ that is just as easy to take hold of and to receive by faith as forgiveness of sins or being born again from spiritual death. Thank God healing belongs to us. Healing always belongs to us. Healing belongs to every one of us. God never changes. He never repents or operates in any variableness in any way whatsoever. The Bible said, James said, there's no shadow of turning in God. He's not variable. There's neither shadow of turning with God. He never considers to turn away from that which he has accomplished through Jesus' sacrifice. Healing belongs to you and me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We worship you, Father, for all that Jesus has done for us. We thank you that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. No matter what we feel, no matter what the doctor has diagnosed, we thank you, Father, that by faith in your word, healing belongs to us. We believe we receive our healing now, Father, and we thank you that the prayer of faith has saved us, has healed us, and that you are raising us up, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that we're redeemed from sin, sickness, and poverty. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us, folks. Have a great week and good night.